Amen. Well, after being in uh, Suriname for a couple weeks, it's good to be back with the, the body, back with my family. It's good to see you guys again, to be able to hang out with you again. It's even good to see some new faces in here. Amen. I'm really, really happy and excited that the Lord has drawn you in here, um, that you are here not by chance or by accident, uh, not just, uh, not just be- because someone said something to you or maybe witnessed to you, um, but because the Lord God was drawing you in. Yes. And uh, you're here because the Spirit of God said, hey, come over here. And he's drawing you in here because he wants to show you something. He wants to open up your mind. He wants to renew your mind so that you can figure out what his will is for your life. Um, During worship, after after that weirdness kind of broke apart, I don't know if you could feel that. I know know that I could. Um, It struck me that most everyone had gotten freedom in this place from whatever thoughts were being battled with, whatever sin was being battled with, whatever you were personally battling with. Most people in here got free from that. Uh, At that moment, there was was victory for most, but there wasn't victory for all. And um, I believe the Lord put a word on my heart from Exodus 33. And uh, we're going to start in verse 12 just before we get into the message tonight. Moses is speaking with the Lord. It says, Moses says to the Lord, You have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Moses was expecting to have someone with him while he was following the Lord and teaching others to follow the Lord. He was expecting that there would be something tangible with him, uh, to be by his side, to help him out, to be his helper, to guide him. He expected that. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. How many people know in here that after the initial time when you meet with Jesus, you have to continue to find favor with Him? You have to continue, you have to continue that walk with Him. Amen. you got to keep seeking Him. Yes. Moses knew it. He says, if you're pleased with me, teach me your ways so I can know you and continue to find favor in you. Amen. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. This is what Moses was seeking. This is that that tangible presence that Moses was looking for to help him, to help him lead this people, to walk with him. Then Moses said to, to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth. I believe that there are maybe just a few people in here who didn't get complete freedom in worship 
because they don't understand or have never encountered what real Christianity or what walking with the presence of God is really like. Maybe someone has uh, prayed for you to get saved. Maybe um, you've heard about Jesus and you thought that it would be a good idea to say that you're a Christian. Or maybe sin is entangling you and entrapping you and wrapped around your neck in this very moment. And you're stuck there. And there's guilt and there's shame. But real Christianity is walking in the presence of God. Real Christianity is walking with the presence of God. And there's, there's no other Christianity but that. The Lord goes on to say to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked, because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, Now show me your glory. There's going to be a time tonight after we preach where you're going to be able to ask the Lord to show you His glory. Amen. And it might be for the very first time. You might be asking the Lord for the first time, Lord God, I really don't have any idea what your presence really feels like. I'm like Moses in this moment, and I'm, I'm looking for something tangible to walk with me. I'm looking for something tangible that can, that can lead me, that can guide me into a right standing with you, God. I need you to show me your glory. And I believe that the Lord is going to be able to show some men and women in here his glory tonight, if that's what you're desiring at the end of the service. Amen. It's amazing. The Lord promises Moses that he's going to show himself to him. And at, at the beginning of the next chapter, the Lord said to Moses, Chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones, and I will write on them the words that were on the first tablets which you broke. Maybe some people in here didn't get breakthrough during worship because you broke the first law that the Lord gave you. You broke the first tablets in your own life. You broke them and you're too guilty. You're too full of shame to come to Him again. But He's telling you right now in this moment that He'll etch new tablets for you. Amen. He'll etch His law on your heart again. He'll make it new. He'll make it fresh. Maybe you knew the truth, but you strayed from it. Maybe you made a commitment on Sunday, but you didn't even make it to Wednesday, and the Lord knows it. But He's willing to etch His law on your heart again. Amen. He's willing to etch new tablets for you. So, Steph, could you put the first picture up on the screen? <clears throat> We were gone for two weeks to a country called Suriname. There is approximately 556,000 people in the country of Suriname. About seven people per square mile, which is incredibly low for a country. This is vastly because the majority of the country, somewhere around 90%, is covered in the Amazon jungle. But to the north of Suriname, and Suriname is, is above Brazil, by the way, and to the very north of Suriname, right on the border, is the capital city of Paramaribo. This scene 
is in Paramaribo. It's a very crazy city. Lots of hustle, lots of bustle, very busy, lots of traffic. But as we walked around the city, one of the first nights we were there, we encountered this scene. Now this capital city is, is much like, in some ways, the big cities of the U.S. Not necessarily in the way that it looks, but in the evils that are there. There's gambling. There's prostitution. Um, there's crazy, crazy um, people in the streets begging for money. There's a lot of drugs. We were uh, asked if we wanted to buy cocaine or ecstasy on multiple occasions. And all those things are very appalling. But I, I've got to say that the most appalling thing that we saw while we were there is this picture. It's a synagogue and a mosque right next to each other. It's not enough that they're right next to each other. If you read about this scene, this site in the capital city, it'll tell you that these two groups of people are not just separated by a wall. They're actually sharing the same exact plot of land. That's one plot of land with a tiny little wall separating them. How did we get here? How did we get here? You know, the most startling, perhaps, truth about this scene is the truth about the country of Suriname. Or so they say, 48.4% Christian. Since when did God's people not value their call to be set apart? Listen to this quote from one world traveler as they described the country of Suriname. Of all the places I have ever visited in my life, there is no location in the world where so many different cultural entities are not only living in harmony, but somewhat in symbiosis, as in Suriname. There is a point that I came to the realization that the people of Suriname do not fight for cultural acceptance. They value the opportunity to have a diverse knowledge base. And they pride themselves on their ability to accept people no matter where they are from or what their views are. And that's something we can all learn a little from. Who in here agrees? Come on, put your hands up, somebody. Isn't that beautiful? Turn to Matthew 10. What does the Lord have to say about his 48.4% Christianity in the country of Suriname? Verse 16 says, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard against men. They will hand you over to the local councils and flog you in their synagogues. 
On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. All men will hate you because of me, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one place, when you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. I tell you the truth, you will not finish going through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. 48.4% Christianity, and we can live in complete tranquility with the rest of the capital city and with the rest of the country. No conflict. Accepting other people completely. Accepting their views. Applauding what they're doing with their lives. Saying congratulations. We're one of the most diverse countries in the world. And look how peaceful we are. Look how good we are. Isn't this good world? I have to speak positively now. These people, the Surinamese people, they received the gospel better than almost any other people group that I've come into contact with. They were friendly. They were nice. They were so receptive to the word of God. So what in the world does that mean? It must mean that the nearly 50% of the so-called Christians in the country have not heard the gospel of Christ. They haven't heard the real gospel, and they have not come into contact with His power. Since the beginning, the Lord has called His people to be set apart. A few days into the trip, we went into the Amazon jungle. And toward the beginning of our time in the Amazon, we got to visit a village of about ten people. Only ten. And I've got to say, they were some of the most real Christians that we had seen all trip. Ten people in the middle of the Amazon jungle, full of spirit worship, full of uh, people worshiping their ancestors, snake gods, tree gods, all kinds of gods, whatever you can see and has power, has some sort of spirit to it that they worship. And we visited a village. They were kind of far out of the way. And you know why they were out of the way? It's because they proclaimed their love for Christ and they were kicked out of the village that they were a part of. They received religious persecution and the ones who were uh, worshiping the spirits said, you cannot live here any longer. You must go find a different home. And so they said, we will not give up our belief, our love for Jesus Christ. And they were kicked out of the village. This is, a vi this is mostly women here. This is about nine women and um, one son who had severe mental retardation. And they were living by themselves. And you know what? We went there and we got to encourage them. Because they were, they were some of the most real Christians that we had ever met on the trip. Deuteronomy 7.
When the Lord your God brings you into the land you are entering to possess and drives out before you many nations, the Hittites, Girgashites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, seven nations larger and stronger than you, and when the Lord your God has delivered them over to you and have defeated them, then you must destroy them totally. Make no treaty with them and show them no mercy. Do not intermarry with them. Do not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons, for they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. And the Lord's anger will burn against you and will quickly destroy you. This is what you are to do to them. Break down their altars, smash their sacred stones, cut down their Asherah poles and burn their idols in the fire. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. Can you say that the one true God is a God of no compromise? Can you say that the one true God has called you to be set apart? Has called the Christians in Suriname to be set apart? Has called any of those who claim His name to be set apart from the rest? Distinction. Distinguished by His, his presence. Distinguished by His Spirit. Distinguished by His power. This passage does not sound like the Lord is interested in accepting people no matter what their views are. Isaiah 6. Verse 1 says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of His robe filled the temple. Above Him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Isaiah is having an encounter, an encounter with the presence of God. What does he do? Woe to me. I cried. I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. When your eyes are fully open to the Lord, when your eyes are fully open to His presence, you quickly realize that you're living among a people of unclean lips and that you yourself are a man of unclean lips. Quickly. You realize you've been mingling with the unclean. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Isaiah had an encounter. He realized his position. He realized who he had been mingling with and what he himself was. But the Lord God, he was faithful. He brought a coal. An angel brought a coal over and touched the lips of the man who was unclean, and it made him clean. 
we allow the Lord to get as close as he possibly can to us. And it's at that point where his purity comes and cleanses us from all of our guilt and all of our sin. Then I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. One of the first things that happens, one of the things that you know beyond a shadow of a, of a doubt that you've met with the King of Kings at least once is that your heart is immediately turned outward. Yes. Your heart cannot stop. Cannot stop but to think about people around you who have not had the same experience that you have. Amen. It's impossible. It's impossible for you not to want that same experience for them. You're no longer living in a selfish life, but you're living a selfless life. Amen. Daniel 12, 1 through 3. At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress, such as, not, such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteous like the stars forever and ever. We are not in this life just to get along. That's right. We're in this life to have a hope that one day we will shine like a star in the universe, and each star will shine different from the other. There will be some stars that shine brighter than others, and some stars that do not shine as bright as others. But if you make it your point in life to win souls, if you make it your point to proclaim the righteousness of God as he has showed it to you, then you have the hope of shining like a star in the end. Amen. For some will rise and will be judged by the living God, but others will rise to shine like stars. Amen. Where are we today? Amen. Esther 3. After these events, King Xerxes honored Haman, son of Hamadatha, the Ag Agagite, elevating him and giving him a seat of honor higher than that of all the other nobles. All the royal officials at the king's gate knelt down and paid honor to Haman, for the king had commanded this concerning him. But Mordecai would not kneel down or pay him honor. Then the royal officials at the king's gate asked Mordecai, why do you disobey the king's command? Day after day, they spoke to him, but he refused to comply. Therefore, they told Haman about it, to see whether Mordecai's behavior would be tolerated, for he had told them that he was a Jew. Mordecai is a man who had an encounter with God. Amen. And because of his encounter, he would not bow the way that other men bowed. He would not submit the way that other people, people submitted. 
He would not go along with the beliefs of other people simply because it was peaceable or seemingly peaceable to do so. He took a stand for the Lord God. And guess what? It created conflict in his life. Not just in his life, but all the other people that were around him that had the, held the same views that Mordecai held. They were all thrown into the same boat with Mordecai. They were all tossed there. It says this, When Haman saw that Mordecai would not kneel down or pay him honor, he was enraged. Yet having learned who Mordecai's people were, he scorned the idea of killing only Mordecai. Instead, Haman looked for a way to destroy, destroy all Mordecai's people, the Jews, throughout the whole kingdom of Xerxes. You will know when you're living a life that is not passive or even passive-aggressive for the kingdom. You know what passive-aggressive is? It means when you see something that is conflicting with the deep convictions that Christ has set in you and you cowered away and you don't deal with it in the moment with that person, but instead you speak about it with your brothers later. Man, today I could not believe what happened. This dude was doing this. Man, it grieved my very soul. Why didn't you step up like Mordecai did? Why did they not see the righteousness rise up in you? Why were they not able to see the distinction between the holy people and they themselves? I have a video that I want to share. It's of a, a church service on a Sunday morning. Shortly after we visited the exiles. This is a break every chain in the Saramakan tongue. So that's break every chain. That's worship right before we got to preach to these guys. These guys, they were a precious group. They were an amazing, amazing group of people. So nice, so inviting, so open to the gospel. They just hadn't really had a chance to hear the fullness of the gospel preached yet. They hadn't had a chance to see what it was really like to brush up against the deep presence of God and the power of God at work. So we preached about the deep presence of God and the power of God. Amen. And we backed ourselves into a corner. And we say, this is what the Lord does. These are the things that He does. And if you want, you can get filled with His presence. If you want, you can be saved today. If you want, the ailments on your body, they can be healed in the name of Jesus. Jesus is here and He promises that these signs will follow those who believe. So we backed ourselves into a corner, knowing that the Lord would come through because He promised that He would. Amen. Amen. And He did. 
People got filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes. People got saved. There, were, there was a woman who had uh, a messed up hand from birth, and she got healed on the spot. There was a woman who had a broken ankle and foot, and she got healed on the spot. There was a woman who could not move her back more than a couple inches to each, each way. She got healed on the spot. She was able to touch her toes and jump up and down and shout praises to the king. There was uh, another who could not feel their arm, completely dead, a dead arm basically, and we prayed. And they were not, not just able to move their arm again. They had full feeling, full movement of their arm. The Lord God came through over and over and over again. We were praying for men and women to get filled with the Holy Spirit. And they were coming forward. And before we could even lay our hands on them, they were beginning to speak in tongues. They didn't even know what tongues was. When you back yourself into a corner, the power of God is able to be seen. So when was the last time that you backed yourself into a corner? Mark 16, 17 through 18, we all know it. You can put it up on the screen. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. It's scriptures like this that we preached while we were there. And the people, they were so receptive. They were so hungry. The soil was so ripe for the harvest that they came up and they said, well, let's see it. I'm ready for it. I believe. I want to see your, your God move. I want to see what He can do. I want to see His power. I see the power that the spirits have. They have power. But from the things that you are preaching to us, it seems as though your God has more power. Amen. And we want to see it. Amen. Put Hebrews 2, 1 through 4 up on the screen for a second. This is the truth of the matter right here. We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For if the message spoken by angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard Him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. Amen. There are certain things that happen when the Lord is testifying to His salvation. If you're going out and you're active in your faith and you're preaching salvation, but there were four things there. If you're preaching salvation and signs, wonders, miracles, and gifts of the Holy Spirit are not part of your message, then we're crippling the message of salvation of Jesus Christ. That's right. We're crippling the message. If we're not preaching those things, in as much as we're preaching all the gospel, the full gospel, the full power of God, and everything that we're doing, if we're not backing ourselves into a corner, then are we really having faith in our walk with Christ? Is our faith really rising up? Can you say that you are 
having an increasing faith. If we're not preaching the fullness of salvation with the signs and wonders and miracles and gifts that accompany the salvation of Christ. Let's look at John 4, starting in verse 43. After the two days, he left for Galilee. Now Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, for they also had been there. Once more he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. Unless you people see miraculous signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. When Jesus says this, it almost seems like he kind of scoffs at him. He kind of scoffs at the people. Man, unless you guys see these things, you're never going to believe the message that I'm bringing to you. I think maybe, maybe he said it because just before this passage, Jesus spoke to some Samaritans and they got saved. It says that they believed. He didn't have, it didn't record any miraculous signs. It didn't record any of these things. He simply spoke the message of truth to them and it said that they believed. And yet he comes to uh, Cana in Galilee and he says, you know what? Unless you see the miraculous power of God, you guys will never believe. How true is that where we are? How gospel hardened are we in this place? You guys know it. How hard are these people? How many people have heard some of the gospel of Jesus? If not almost every single soul that we walk around on a daily basis. Unless these people see miraculous signs and wonders, they will never believe. Who's it going to come from? Do you see other people around you who claim to walk with Christ? Do you see them doing these things? And yet we're called to it. And yet He's equipped us for it. And yet He's called us out and He's he said, have faith for these things. Amen. These signs will follow those who believe. When He says, as you go, preach this message, the kingdom of heaven is near, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons... He's not saying as you go to a different country. He's saying as you go about your day. That's right. As you go away from my presence in this place. As you go away from the huddle of the church. Do these things. Hold your place in, in John 4. We're going to come back to that. But go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 for a second. Verse 4 says this. This is Paul speaking. 
to the Corinthian church. He says, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. How many times do we witness in the workplace and they say, yeah, you know, what you're saying, it makes sense. It, it sounds good. It sounds wise, but I'm just not really, not there to take a step in faith. I'm not there to, to take you up on your offer just, just at this point. I'm kind of comfortable where I am. You know, I've heard this message before, and you know, my heart's even been pierced before. You know, the whole creation testifies that the God that you're talking about, that he's here. I'm just not ready for it. How many times does that person need to see the miraculous power of God at work in your own life that they might believe? So head back to John 4. We're going to continue reading here. The royal official said in verse 49, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus replied, You may go. Your son will live. How plain in words can you be? How, how lacking in intellect is, are these two phrases? You may go. Your son will live. It's not a demonstration of your intellect. It's not a demonstration of your wisdom or your depth of the word. It's a demonstration of the power of God at work in your life. It's a demonstration of the Spirit at work in you. It's a demonstration of your own faith rising up to meet the challenge. As Jesus went, as he walked through the towns, as he spoke to people, this is what happened. You may go, your son will live. And he took him at his word. He took him at his word. that whole faith thing you know a lot of times our intellect gets in our own way a lot of times our our depth of wisdom and knowledge what we perceive as the pinnacle of of Christianity sometimes it gets in our way of seeing the miraculous power of God at work in our lives sometimes our own reason gets in the way Sometimes our own words get in the way when we're witnessing to somebody. We just need to be still and hear from the Lord and do what He says. We just need to be still to see and be able to perceive in the Spirit what this person actually needs and do it no matter what it looks like. Is fear holding you back? Is a fear of failure holding you back? When is faith going to rise up in you? Do you have a form of godliness, but your own lack of faith in action deny his power? Your lack of faith and action are proving his power false in your own life. How many times has the Lord performed a miracle in your life? How many times has the Lord moved miraculously 
in your own life, in the lives of your children, in the lives of your spouse, in the lives of your family? How many times have you seen it in this place? And we've praised God for it. But we cannot stand by the wayside any longer and watch the men that have gone before us and watch their faith rise and watch the miraculous power of God be at work in their lives and stand around it and stand beside it and think that we are participators in the divine nature. As you go, as you go, the power of God at work in your life. We're not going to stand by any longer. I was severely challenged by this this week. Monday, I was contemplating this word. It was just a phrase at that moment. Didn't have any scripture, had nothing. And I was wondering, Lord God, uh, how, can, how can I preach something that's so convicting that I don't feel like I'm living up to? And uh, in walks my dad. And uh, he says, hey, we've, the oil guy's here, and he wants to talk about your Suriname trip. Mm. Praise God. <laughs> Let's go see what this is all about. Amen. He's, a, he's a good old Baptist guy. Um, he, uh, we immediately begin conversation, and he expresses the fact that he's, he's struggling, he's He's in, he's out, he's in, he's out, he's doing well, he's not doing well, he's all over the place. And we begin to share testimonies about Suriname and about the power of God. And guess what? In that moment, he took Jesus at his word. He said, you know, I've spoken in tongues before, uh, but I've only spoken in tongues about eight or nine times, and it was in a church setting, and it was surrounded by pastors. And you know what, I... I've also been in a car wreck years ago, and as you can see, my back's all jacked up. He walks around hunched like this, and uh, my back's all jacked up, and uh, I believe what you're telling me, and I want to see it. <laughs> and so, uh, 10 minutes into our conversation, um, we prayed, and he got filled with the Holy Spirit. He got released in his prayer language. His back got healed. He walked out walking straight. <laughs> um, that happened because in that moment, I knew that I could not leave that conversation without backing myself into a corner. I could not leave that conversation without proclaiming the full gospel of Jesus Christ without proclaiming his miraculous power, without my faith rising up in that moment and saying, God, I believe your promises. Yes. I believe what you say in the word. I believe that this is for me and this is for today and this is for Russell. And I believe that you're going to do it. Amen. And so I'm going to back myself into a corner here and watch you work. Yes. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse 3 says this. 
Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. My goodness, our very linchpin of the faith is the hope in something supernatural. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Did you guys hear that? God's power on display in your own life is a shield for you until your salvation is complete. How do we know that? How do we know that God's power at work in your life is shielding you until your salvation is complete at the end of your existence here on this earth? How do we know that? Well, don't you remember in Ephesians 6? Don't you remember the armor of God? What piece of armor is faith? It's a shield. When your faith rises up, when you have faith for the supernatural, when you have faith that Jesus said what He said, and that He will work through your life, and that if you back yourself into a corner, then He will do what He said when you have faith for that, it acts as a shield for your salvation. It says it will... What's the exact wording? It, with, with which you can ex- extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. If you're struggling, if you're going in and, and then you're coming out of salvation, if you are struggling with your walk with Jesus Christ, if you're struggling to be consistent in your walk, maybe you don't have your shield up. Maybe your faith hasn't gotten to that point where you actually believe Christ for the supernatural. If your walk is not steady, your shield has been dragging by your side. And the flaming darts of the enemy have been able to come in and to pierce your armor. When we begin to walk in the promises of God, when we begin to back ourselves into the corner and say, Lord God, you must move here or else I will fail and your reputation will be tarnished because I've claimed your promises here, God. When we do that, we actually shield ourselves for salvation. We actually keep walking in the salvation that is ours. No wonder so many fall away. No wonder so many will fall away. No No wonder how the love of most will grow cold when things get hard. Because so many around us are claiming Christianity, and yet the power of God and the supernatural is not one part of their theology. Will it be part of yours? Verse 6 says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. One part of Eric's awesome, excellent teaching on Monday night at Foundations in Exodus 3, we are supposed to be ablaze, set on fire for the Lord, but not consumed by the circumstances or the fire that has set us ablaze. 
We are supposed to be on fire for God, seen by all who we come into contact with. But that fire is not supposed to burn us up. We're not supposed to be burned up by our circumstances. We're not supposed to be burned up by the flaming darts of the enemy. You know, when the darts of the enemy start to come in and mingle with the fire of God, that's a recipe for disaster, my friends. Genuine faith at work in you is God's power on display in your own life. Despite the seemingly best or worst situation that He's put you in. I'm going to say that one more time. Genuine faith at work in you is God's power on display in your own life. No matter the circumstance. Can you put the picture of... The beautiful smiley family up on the board, please. These are, this is the missionary family that we got to work with. They're from Arkansas. Um, (laughs) Amazing, amazing testimony that they have. Um, They are in Suriname on the ground. That man right there, his name is David. The wife is Allison. And they have five children. Right now they're four, six, eight, ten, and twelve. So this is a little bit outdated of a picture. But I want you to know that David and Allison both, um, you can say that they were having trouble believing in the power of God to work. They were having trouble with the faith to see the power of God at work in their own lives. When we went there... uh, the Spirit of God immediately just cued us in to what our goals for this trip were. And uh, one of our two main goals was to get this couple and their family filled with the Spirit of God. Uh, Moving in the gifts of the Spirit, that was the goal before we left, is to see that happen. And uh, the husband, uh, he he took us, he's the one that took us into the Amazon. And... uh, the first real night after the first day that we were there, um, after so much opposition at the beginning of the trip, we got into some deep worship with David and uh, some teaching about the Holy Spirit. And uh, he said, you know what? If the Holy Spirit is what you say He is and He does what you say He does and the Word is true, which I know it is, let's do this thing. And so we laid hands on him, and he got filled with the Holy Spirit. He began to speak in tongues. He immediately prophesied. He prophesied twice that night. Uh, he, he actually had amazing um, direction for the rest of our trip. Uh, he had words of knowledge from God. I mean, it was unbelievable the way that the Lord was equipping him, the way that he needed to be in that jungle, uh, the way that he was destined to be equipped by God. It was incredible. Uh, one of the bad things about this, though, um, is that Allison wasn't there with us. Yeah. And so imagine uh, your spouse getting filled with the Holy Spirit and you hearing about it from afar and you not being with them and you feeling a separation. That's, that's got to be a battle for you. And so we got back and our primary goal was to see her filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, we didn't get a chance that first night and it was actually our last night with them. And so we prayed that night. We were like, Lord God, you're gonna have, there's going to have to be a miracle happen in this place. There's going to have to be a miracle happen in this house. 
or else Allison is not going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And God, we're not limiting you, but we want to see this happen before we leave. And uh, in the morning, we woke up, and she had made us breakfast, and she was standing in the kitchen, and she said, well, I couldn't sleep last night, and I always can sleep well. Uh, I'm I'm a very good sleeper, as a matter of fact, and I haven't gone through a night of of sleeplessness in a very long time, but last night was one of them. And uh, I just got down on my knees, and you know what? The presence of God filled that room like I've never felt before. And my lips just started moving, and I started speaking in tongues, and I couldn't believe it. (laughs) So not by any power, not by any direction of our own, but my goodness, that... That was, that was something special. Um, <laughs> so from that, it's time for us to stop seeing the men before us having their experiences with God's miraculous power at work in their lives, and it's time for us to begin to, to consistently have our own experiences. Amen. Go to James 1. I've got three more scriptures for us. <laughs> Verse 22 says, Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. You're confronted with the Word of God. You're confronted with testimonies about Jesus' miraculous power. And you're looking in the mirror and it, it should show you and it should show I something about where we are and all of that, shouldn't it? As we look in the mirror of testimonies and we look in the mirror of the word and we look in the mirror of Jesus' life and we look in the mirror of the life of the apostles and we look in the mirror of the word, it should show us exactly where we are in our faith. Exactly where we are, but exactly where we need to be. And it should be an encouragement to you because guess what? The promise has already been made. It's up to us to reach out and to grab it. It's up to us that when we leave this place to not just forget about what we saw when we came in here. When we, when we leave this place, not to forget about the testimonies, not to forget what the Word said about the power of God working in your life. Tomorrow, when you go to work, are you going to forget what your face looked like? Are you going to forget what it looked like to look in the mirror into your own life? Be there testimonies or be there lack of testimonies? Personal testimonies. Are you going to forget about it? Or is your faith going to rise up? Are you going to go, go for it all? Are you going to go for the hardest? Are you going to go for the most impossible, for the least likely? See it happen. Verse 25 says, 
but the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. The blessing doesn't come until we stop just listening and we start doing. That is when the blessing of God comes. That is when the Lord meets you with His miraculous power. When we stop just listening to the testimonies and applauding and clapping. When we stop saying thank you God for what you did through them. And you start your acts of obedience to Him. In a supernatural kind of way. Because He's a supernatural kind of God. Second Thessalonians chapter 1. Verse 3 says, We ought always to thank God for you, brothers, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love every one of you has for each other is increasing. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith and all the persecutions and trials you are enduring. All this is evidence that God's judgment is right. And as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. Our perseverance and faith, shown in the midst of persecution and trials, testifies to the truth of God. And our lack of perseverance and our lack of faith in the midst of our own lives, it makes God's own testimony about himself a lie. When we carry his name, we have to be careful in the way that we carry it. If we carry his name, if we carry his reputation, we have to be very careful in the way that we walk. We have to be very careful in the opportunities that we do or do not miss. We have to be very careful in the way that we look at other people around us and ask God on their behalf to show up and to do what he does. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to those or to to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power. On the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed. This includes you, because you believed our testimony to you. How are the lost experiencing the presence of God and the power of God before they are shut out? How are the lost experiencing the presence of God and the power of God on this earth before the Lord comes in His second coming? How do they experience that? How do they experience that if we don't bring it? How do they experience the presence and power of God if Christians are not bringing those things to them? If they're not able to see those things in their lives? 
How can they see that? How is the testimony of Christ valid in their own life? We're jipping them. We're making the Lord to be out, to, out to be a liar. Verse 11 says, With this in mind, we constantly pray for you, that our God may count you worthy of his calling, and that by his power he may fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith. Amen. May God fulfill every act prompted by your faith. Tonight we need to pray that our faith will rise up and that we can have eyes to see what the Lord wants to do in us. We need to pray that as our faith rises, it leads to action. We need to pray that that action, in that action, in those acts of obedience, that the Lord meets us there. Last scripture. And Matt, I don't know what you have going, but I would really like a second chance at worship, if that's okay with you. Last scripture is 2 Timothy 1. Verse 5 says, I have been reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Could you stand with me?